What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Atlantic back. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito, sea dicho. Coming about a week's time now since my last podcast on Heidegger and getting ready to just pick up on some of the shit that we left off of there, specifically talking about the human capital, being in the world, right? Uh, coming specifically off the heels of fucking Anal Schwab's boy who wants to tell us that humans are now hackable animals and, the, and that the idea of free will no longer exists. This is something that if you're, you know, versed in the underground, the quote-unquote tinfoil conspiracy theory world, you'll know is something they've been pushing for for a long time. The idea of free will from both just a metaphysical perspective, like, you know, this this idea that we're endowed with it uniquely uh, as humans to a more materialistic approach that says that, you know, uh, just the simple desire for control. You'll know that these motherfuckers is something, the desire to strip us of that, assuming that it even exists, is something that they've deeply desired, I would say, since time immemorial. You know what I mean? These motherfuckers, the power elite, if you will, the masters of mankind, they've never wanted a fucking populist that is capable of questioning their dictates. They've only ever wanted fucking human chattel, slavery, slaves, you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter in what form they come in, whether it be physical bondage or mental slaves that do their bidding, right? And that's kind of the idea here when it comes to this human capital. So um, before I get into it, let's get some of the formalities out of the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy on the socials. OG underscore ice nice 13 on the gram and something along the same lines on the so, uh, other socials as well, right? Um, so yeah, let's just get into it, dog, because I got a lot to cover and I'm going to try to get through this, you know, at a at, at, at a nice pace. I'm not going to fucking just speed through it, but I want to I don't want to take up too much every time, right? So by way of introduction, I guess the most important thing to state is that this work, this podcast itself is predicated on the work of a lady by the name of Allison McDowell. She's an independent researcher who can be found at wrenchinthegears.com for those of you who are interested in looking a little bit deeper into what it is that she has to offer, right? And it's quite a lot. It's a lot. She got a lot of shit out there that, you know, it's a lot. She got a lot of really interesting shit out there, okay? Um, But the basic idea of what's happening is this. She's going to want to tell us is that the people who are running these systems, dog, these fucking masters of mankind, that obviously they're not benevolent actors, okay? Like, I don't know how, what more they can fucking potentially do that if you're still not swayed that would make you realize that these are not good people. Bill Gates is not a good person. The fucking people who run these Fortune 500 companies, they're not good people, okay? They pay millions for PR, for, uh, in PR, uh, to PR firms for a reason, okay? Uh, and uh, what, what her work is specifically getting at is by way of charitable donations. She's gonna. This is how she stumbled upon the whole thing. She was just a mom working at the local PTA of her fucking of her local community up in Philadelphia, and she started to realize that these fucking nonprofits, bro, these organizations, these charitable contributions, they're they're not they're not they're, they're not for nothing. Okay, these people they're not fucking good people, dog, and they're not gonna just give away money for no reason at all whatsoever. That there's always fucking strings attached to the money that they're giving away, okay? Uh, She tells us specifically that the money is for certain ends, okay? To accomplish, specifically, the reinforcement of their own power and influence. Uh, She's going to tell us that, you know, whenever these companies, whenever they donate money and shit, they're not doing it for a a generous purpose. And they're not even doing it for a redistributive purpose in the sense of, like, redistributing the wealth and equalizing fucking uh, outcomes and shit. 
It's strictly dominating. They're only doing it to increase their fucking power, okay? And she tells us, like, specifically her focus, uh, uh, especially, like, uh, uh, I mean, this is how she got started, right, with, with the cloud technology. But it's going to also be the fucking focus of this episode, right? Uh, she tells us that to think that the people who, you know, run the cloud are not dominating us or seeking to dominate us, that they are just, like, you know, somehow these uh, benevolent overlords, if you will, that that's incredibly misguided, incredibly misguided. She tells us all we need to do is just look at, you know, for instance, the military contracts and the prison contracts and all the things that the Amazon Web Services and Google, you know, that, that, that they're associated with, right? And then just from a simple game theoretical perspective, this isn't her, this is me, and you know, extrapolating here. But just from a simple game theoretical perspective, it, it's easy to deduce the logical outcome of what happens when you start merging all these fucking various institutions together into one force. It's never a good thing. Historically speaking, technology, it's always been seen as this grand, potentially liberated force for humanity. But once it fucking intersects with the, with the interests of the power, of the power elite, right, it, it just always ends up fucking bad, dog. It never ends up good. Okay. So. In this particular respect, she's telling us, yo, that it's important that we got, it's important that we analyze, you know, this, in, 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 we, we examine this in terms of a structural analysis, if you will, okay? And uh, what I mean by that is like, consider, consider the 5G infrastructure, okay, that is currently rolling out. And this ain't even about the conspiratorial element of fucking 5G, dog. This is just straight fucking brass tacks about the 5G and like the entire infrastructure that it facilitates, Right. Uh, and then you, you you merge that with already existing technologies like the satellites, the fucking Starlink that I've talked about before in the previous episodes of the podcast, right? And so on. And then you see how they converge with other technologies that are already, you know, in the atmosphere, but also those that are here on the ground, okay? And what starts to happen is that you get this something of a, of a fencing that, that starts to occur, right? It's a, a control system for people, essentially. It's like geofencing. And uh, what that basically means is that we're, it's, it's like a, a, a fucking open range prison, an open air prison, okay, that's going to be guided from the fucking satellites up, up above, right? And it's going to be controlled here on an individual level by way of the personal technology devices that we have, like our cell phones, for instance, right? And she's telling us specific and smart cities too, like smart cities, ooh, like we'll get into the whole smart city shit, if not on this episode, on a different one for sure. But the basic idea here, and this is this is definitely true post-pandemic, right, is that, you know, we're starting to get these digital identities, bro. And, you know, it, from, from, from the looks of it, it looks like we're also going to end up with these digital health passports, okay? And from there, it's just going to open up the door. It's going to be the fucking floodgates to give everybody, right, uh, 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 assimilated into these electronic systems that are going to be used to fucking control us at the most fundamental of levels, like the ultimate Foucauldian nightmare, if you will, right? where we're going to be, where they are going to be able to track us everywhere we go. So basically, again, fucking prison planet, baby. Like, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so many ways you can fucking address the same issue. Um, but that, that's what she's trying to tell us here is that, you know, uh, the same way she, likes, she likened it to the way that, you know, satellites manage, track, and control, quote-unquote, free-range cows, right? With the tags that are in their collars or their ears and shit. That's what's going to happen to us, right? This is what geofencing is, okay? It's akin to a fucking electric dog fence, right? But you don't actually have to have the wire in it. You know, the electric dog fence. I don't even think electric dog fences anymore have wires. They just have like a pole that you stick up in your yard and the dog can't fucking cross that shit because, you know, it'll get shocked. That's kind of what's happening here, she's going to tell us. That's potentially what can happen here, right? Uh, 
and you know, obviously, we're, we're we're pretty close to that point, dog. At least in terms of opening the floodgates, okay. Uh, but definitely in terms of how it is that we can manage the people with it, manage people with it. And I say we, but it's not going to be you and me, dog. It's never us. We're going to be the ones that are managed. We're the fucking cattle on this prison fucking planet. You know what I mean? And what makes it so, you know, something to be fucking concerned about is obviously the same shit that people have been reiterating for decades now when it comes to this conspiratorial shit. And that is if that they can control this, you know, they can control our access to the basic life, the basic needs of life. You know, they can control our shelter, our food, our water, our health care. Right. Not that they already don't, but now it's going to be that much more fucking expedited. Right. And uh, they can be even furthermore. Right. Uh, uh, it could be further expedited by way of the, you know, the digital, the, the geofencing, if you will, because once this shit is all on the fucking cloud, it'll be just as easy to shut off somebody's fucking you know, uh, I mean, just thinking about it out loud, you realize just how easy it is now. But they could shut off your fucking, you know, your bank account quickly if they wanted to. But now it's going to be uh, tied into your, our social media usage and all that kind of shit. Like, you know, a uh, social credit score type shit where, you know, if you don't fucking fall in line with party, uh, if you're not towing party line, for instance, or you're not following along with what we're being told is the, is, is the narrative where they can just decide to shut that shit off because, you know, we're, 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 we're disrupting the status quo. Okay. And uh, where she's going to come into it specifically is, again, through her children, because she started to realize, she started to connect these dots, again, while she was working with the PTA at her local school. And the basic idea here is that you don't even have to fucking worry about older people like myself, dog. I'm, I'm in my mid-30s already, okay? And there's people, obviously, who are older than I, but, you know, given the way time and life works, eventually, we're going to fucking be out. We're, we're on our way out, Okay. So the idea here is that these fuckers, they started focusing instead on the children, because once you begin to normalize it among children, that's going to be the world that they know. And it's going to be the world that they reproduce without any question at all whatsoever. Right. And uh, this is specifically where she started picking up on this problem, specifically in the wake of the pandemic, dog. OK, uh, again, now I, I want to uh, pause quickly and mention that, you know, again, she's got a, 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 a vast array of ideas and I'm going to be like. Picking and choosing from them, I'm, I'm going to be stitching them together to, you know, put together this one particular episode of the podcast, which there will be more because, again, she's got so much shit that there's no way that I was going to be able to potentially tie it all into one particular podcast, right? Uh, but in case you're interested, again, you know, uh, you can always go and check it out. It's going to be, uh, it's on her fucking website, therenchofthegears.com, right? Anyways, uh, Allison's story, just to be a little bit more in-depth, it starts off again as this mom from Philly who's volunteering at her children's school, right? Uh, specifically, like, her her work started to, uh, you know, pick up steam in 2013 when this corporation called the Boston Consulting Group, they recommended to the city of Philadelphia that they close down 23 public schools in the city, right? Which, according to McDowell, threw everything into upheaval in her local community, Right? And the reason being, of course, is because they laid off 3,000 teachers alone and not to mention uh, that it had an impact on the district as well. OK, specifically because uh, specifically on the remaining educators. Right. Like For those of us who are familiar with how public school works, it just means larger class sizes. Right. And obviously, larger class sizes are never a good thing because it fucks with the teachers for sure. But also the students, man, they're going to get left behind. There's no way one single teacher can fucking 10 to 30 children, right? And obviously, you know, because of that, it's going to be the families who had to deal with this kind of fucking shit because it's their children who are potentially being fucking falling through the cracks. Now, 
Following this initial wave of closures, another consulting group came into Philadelphia and they started to push for the idea of, quote unquote, school report cards. What McDowell tells us is an initiative that it turns out was actually funded by the Dell Foundation, dog. Michael Dell himself of Dell Computers, okay? And one of their major contractors, the NSA. Surprise, surprise, the United States government, okay? Um, so basically what happens is she gets together with, you know, a bunch of other parents from across the country to oppose these school report, oppose these school report card, dog, because, you know, and in my opinion, rightfully so, because the idea of not only a standardized curriculum, but also perhaps most importantly, the, the weaponization of scores against schools, right. To determine whether or not they should remain open. That's fucked up, you know? Especially when it comes to fucking lower socioeconomic, you know, this, this, uh, socioeconomically disadvantaged, you know, neighborhoods. Like, you know, for instance, the one that I would have grown up in. The idea that students should have access to less adequate education or perhaps, uh, not even uneducation in their neighborhood specifically, right? That you gotta ship them out to other fucking neighborhoods or subject them to a private fucking school that's gonna be funded by the fucking, you know, computer corporations and United States government. Like, that's some shady shit, bro. Okay. Uh, particularly because we know just, we know the value of education in this society and the ability for upward mobility that it offers us. So the idea that people from across the states can just, you know, close a school in your hood because you're not meeting their arbitrary criteria, it's fucking crazy, yo. It's crazy. And then, of course, you add to the common issue, you add to that, the common issue that, you know, whenever you standardize a test, Teachers in turn, they're going to respond, not just all they're going to do is teach to the test, right? Which itself is the polar opposite of education, because I said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll never stop repeating it. Education is not rote memorization. It's not how it works, right? Uh, This is something that, you know, particularly affected my neighborhood, the high school that I went to after I had already graduated. They had, they had started to, uh, to start to teach the standardized tests here in uh, Texas, right? And I know my brother was particularly, uh, uh, my youngest brother was particularly impacted by this. I remember him calling me and telling me that, he, that, that they had specifically asked him not to come to school on the day of, it was called the, the tax test, right? The Texas Assessment of Knowledge and Skills. And they asked him specifically not to come to school that day because they knew he was a fucking moron and that he was going to drive their test scores down lower, Right? Which, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, my brother's not dumb. He just fucking hated school. He never liked school. Okay? So, on that end, like, you understand. But at the other end, it's maybe he didn't like school because fucking school was boring and didn't fucking, uh, you know, cater to any of the shit that he was interested in. You know what I mean? Whatever the case, the idea that you could have a student skip school, ask them conscientiously to skip school, this idea that school is so fucking important in their lives anyways... Because out of fear that him being there is going to jeopardize your standardized test score, it just goes to show how fucked this whole system is, right? And again, <laughs> that, that's, not even to, that's not even to add into the mix the problem of the overcrowded classrooms, dog, right? And the importance of individualized attention in the learning process, which, of course, itself, that led, uh, itself rather, lends to this greater quote-unquote conspiracy that, you know... All of this shit is done on purpose, yo, because the last thing these motherfuckers want is an educated populace that can learn to question their bitch asses. That's, it's basically that simple. This is an answer. Uh, this, is a, this is a question that always comes up for sure in my philosophy classes when we start thinking, when we start talking about the importance of critical thinking and 
without fail, without fail, every semester, at least one student will ask, why were we not taught philosophy at a younger age? And, you know, to me, I don't I don't say this because I don't in class because I don't like to give answers. I like to just fucking frame the question and let students come up to their own conclusions and research them on their own. But for me personally, dog, one of the reasons why unquestionably is because philosophy teaches critical thinking. And fucking rational skills. And that's the last thing these motherfuckers want. Because if you start thinking critically and rationally about what the fuck is going on, their whole system is fuck. The jig is up. The jig is up. Right? Anyways, as McDowell was working on this, it became apparent to her that all of this was just the initial stages, bro. And that the end game, it wasn't the fucking schools. Like, that was just the beginning, okay? The end game instead was going to be constant data collection of students through educational technology that was the end goal bro because fucking data is the new oil right this is what mcdowell refers to as ed tech this idea of you know technology being used to extract data from students and her concern was that you know what this means specifically in terms of both surveillance but also in terms of the content that is delivered in the classroom okay the commodification of children as data and how this data would be used to further privatize public education. So it was through this work that McDowell began to realize that public education itself, it's just one of the casualties of an ever increasing global industry, bro. And that the end goal itself would ultimately be the commodification, not just of students, but of people, dog, the commodification of people as data to help usher in a global grander financial uh, 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 global financial apparatus, okay, of digital control and disciplinary mechanisms. So again, like the fucking most uh, overt Foucauldian nightmares, bro, of disciplinary fucking control, you know what I mean? And uh, I again, it's already here in effect in many countries, China specifically with the social credit score system that's coming in, you know, that they've got. But this is what she's basically talking about, dog. Some shit that was conspiracy for so long. But, you know, now that we're living in this post-Canadian trucker protest world has become a terrifying reality. I say the Canadian protesters, the Canadian truckers, because for those of you who were actually following along with, you know, on the street reporting of what was happening in Ottawa, you'll know that it was by and large mostly peaceful protesters. Okay, yeah, they were disrupting. But that's what a fucking protest is meant to do. The same way Black Lives Matter, when they were disrupting fucking by burning down and looting businesses, that's the same thing that these protesters were doing in Ottawa. Except unlike the Black Lives Matter movement who were doing it in fucking suburban communities and, you know, middle class communities and lower middle class communities, these motherfuckers were doing it where the fucking, where it mattered most. They were doing it where it would hurt the politicians, the Canadian politicians, Right. And uh, in response, the Canadian government, you know, they responded by seizing all their assets, fucking uh, uh, keeping them from being able to get any sort of food delivered to them, any sort of medical, uh, any sort of medical uh, needs delivered to them and so on. Okay. And this is basically what she's saying, that once we make this fucking jump to the cloud based technology and where all of our fucking data has been commodified and where all of our lives revolve around the ability to fucking access this technological apparatus, your whole, the whole notion of freedom goes out the window, bro. It's only at this point comply or die. It's always been comply or die, but it's just, it's constricting ever so fucking ever so much as the days go by. You know what I mean? Anyways, 
Uh, the purpose of this, according to McDowell, is beyond simply, again, controlling public schools, dog. It's beyond simply controlling children's families, and even educators, okay? What the goal is, is to create a systemic global, global problem. I'm sorry, my words are not working right now. It's to create a systemic global poverty that can be managed, okay? And this is where the pandemic comes into play. She tells us that the pandemic, it turns out, this was just part of the process uh, as it was the initial step in helping create this poverty, right? A claim that it's hard to argue against, dog, given, again, just the vast gap in wealth that has emerged, okay, between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, if you will, following the largest wealth transference of human in human history post-pandemic, right? So much money was fucking taken from us and, you know, uh, directed upwards to the fucking elite during the pandemic that it's it's obscene, okay? And according to McDowell, it was it was on purpose. This was the first step in fucking creating this global poverty that would, you know, serve as the impetus for uh, uh, people being ushered into this system, this, you know, uh, technological apparatus where our most basic of livelihoods is dependent on our, you know, uh, on our ability to access and, you know, be part of this global technological structure. So, you know. Uh, again, basically the idea that data is the new oil, okay, just to, just to cut it simply. And what McDowell's going to want to explain is, you know, the significance of data in this process, right? Because, you know, like oil, data is an extractive resource, right? But unlike oil, it cannot run dry, assuming that you believe in peak oil, right? Uh, assuming you believe that peak oil is real and not just another fear-based psyop, Right? Uh, I don't know where I stand when it comes to peak oil. I've seen arguments for both sides. And, you know, I, I, the, the, the conclusion that I come to both times is uh, I'm too stupid to fucking make a decision either way. I'm not an expert in fucking in anything regarding the oil industry or the oil production or any of that kind of shit. So all I got to do, I, all I can do is shrug my shoulders and say, dog, I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? But uh, whatever the case is, uh, data, McDowell tells us, is an extractive resource like oil, okay? And it can't run out because as long as there's people, there will be fucking oil to be, or <laughs> there will be data to be extracted from them, okay? And uh, social media, social media was just the beginning, homie. As we move further into the digital world, we're going to be living in these, again, quote-unquote smart cities that will interface with our devices and extract even the most seemingly inconsequential of data from us at will, Okay? that they will in turn use to turn into capital for the corporations that run shit, bro. For the next episode of the podcast, I have in mind doing a little bit of marketing, a little bit of fucking, you know, uh, the psychology behind marketing to further delve into this. But the basic idea is that something as seemingly inconsequential as how fast we're walking can be fucking extracted for data resources that can in turn be used for companies to build fucking capital. Dog. Like it's fucking crazy how deep this shit goes, right? And uh, if, you, if you're versed with how, you know, how it works, naturally, it's going to be some scary shit, okay? And you would be inclined to think that you could potentially avoid it by, you know, invoking your right to privacy, right? In order to avoid having to live through this uh, potentially nightmarish scenario. And that, according to McDowell, is exactly what they want, right? Because, again, it always boils down to free will, dog. Basically, they want us to ask to be turned into digital commodities. Why? That's up to you to decide, okay? But the idea is that by offering to exchange the rights to privacy for the rights to have our data collected, like, we're basically given, it's a, it's a, it's a cash 22, okay? Because 
no matter what we do, we can still invoke this right to privacy, but we're, we're living in a teledigital world now, dog. There, there ain't no, there ain't no going back. Okay. Uh, our doctor's appointments, our education, therapy, it's all done virtually at this point. Okay. And, you know, you can invoke your right to privacy so long, but when you're fucking, you know, your, your psychiatrist, your therapist appointments are being done, you know, uh, over the internet, there's only, so, there's only so much privacy you can maintain. Right. And, uh, from a lift from, by the way, just as a quick aside, from a different perspective, for those of you who are into the occult, you can't help but read this kind of shit, right? As the choice again, quote unquote, we have to give away our free will to these motherfuckers, right? Because they can't take it from us. They were told they can only provide us with the choice to do so. One which, you know, many make without second thought, given that we have been educated in they schools to believe that, you know, what they are doing is a good thing anyways, right? So again, this just further reiterates, at least to me personally, the importance of philosophy, dog, the importance of critical thinking. And perhaps more importantly, the importance of an education system that teaches motherfuckers how to think as opposed to the ones like McDowell is writing against that only seek to teach us what to think, right? Because if the motherfuckers that are teaching you, you know, that are just teaching you shit, if it's not even fucking true or not, like just think always Christopher Columbus, right? You're not really thinking, dog. And if you're, if you've already, you know, gone down this path and they've put these ideas into your head and you don't reflect upon them, you're just, you're reacting uh, 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 reflexively. I've spoken about it before in the past as opposed to reflectively. You know what I mean? The goal is to think about shit reflectively and consider our commitments and ask ourselves, is this shit really true or do I only believe it's true because this is what they fucking taught me in they schools, right? Now, as a further aside, one of the reasons why I wanted to branch off into this topic at this particular point was again, given the Heideggerian traces and what it is that McDowell is saying. Now, I've already mentioned that, you know, Dasman is nothing more than a tool and shit, right? That's how I ended the last podcast. Um, but now we're starting to see it on full display here, dog. But there's also another element that is starting to emerge. And that is the return to, you know, a, re- a return to nature, dog. A return to a more, quote unquote, primitive life in response to the, mo- the, the, the modernized world that she speaks of or that Heidegger speaks of as well, Right. Now, I scare quote the primitive shit because I, I know if you're anything like me, dog, you're probably thinking that the return to the pre-modern world is the only reprieve from this fucked up crazy world that we're living in now, right? And <laughs> that it's this supposedly modern world that is a real joke. We've always fucking, you know, we've been trained to laugh at, you know, people that come before us or the people who are living in allegedly more primitive conditions as somehow fucking backwards and savage. But starting to realize, dog, me for sure, definitely that these motherfuckers might have had it right all along, okay? Uh, and, you know, whether or not it is ever truly possible to return to nature or a more, pretty, a more primitive world, right? That, that, that's a question entirely in and of itself, right? But what is for sure is how much more restrictive this modern world is becoming, bro. How much more restrictive this world is becoming in terms of possibilities, bro, to use the Heideggerian language, Right? Now, in terms of McDowell's work, this comes into play with, again, this ever-encroaching technocracy that we find ourselves beholden to. She's going to speak specifically of Google, dog. Google and the illusion of choice that they provide us. But really how it's nothing more than this quote-unquote Google box is what she refers to it as, right? This Google box that is, you know, it's undeniably fancy and that it offers many different outlets. But as a Google box, 
it is ultimately owned by Google nonetheless, right? So it's the illusion of possibilities that technology provides us. And uh, her critique is that inevitably we will get to the point where we won't be able to conceive of anything outside of this box once we decide to live within it. So in returning back to her original idea, she's going to tell us that it's useful to frame these ideas in terms of the Internet as a military tool. She asks us specifically to consider uh, militarized the Internet as a militarized space that intersects with the corporate and militarist state. Right. And for her specifically, the uh, potentially the predatory philanthropy state. That's what I was talking about in the beginning, right? Just when she's saying that, you know, most philanthropists, they're not good people. They're fucking predators in disguise, right? Um, but she says that all of these work together. It's useful to fucking understand all these technologies as working together, right, to operate in this digital world, which, of course, it sounds dope on paper, right? It sounds dope on paper, the potentialities that such a world can provide us, okay? Um, but once we start to look at the history of these projects, there's a lot of risks that we absolutely should be taking into account, okay? We should, for instance, take into account the power this provides, you know, to people and who these people are that are controlling it, right? So, for instance, one of her biggest beefs is with cryptocurrencies. And, and this is exactly why, right? Uh, for many of us, I know for myself certainly, I have hoped that Internet 3.0, for instance, will be this redemptive and perhaps even liberatory force for humanity, right? An, a decentralized Internet, if you will, that's free of technocratic control. But as far as Allison McDowell is concerned, bro, this is wishful thinking on our behalf that completely discounts the history of such uh, evolutionary shifts in humanity, right? The masters of mankind, bro, they are every bit as versed with cryptocurrency as we are. And in fact, probably even more so, not only because they are early adopters, but because they have far greater entry points to it, not only financially, but educationally, okay, than we could ever imagine or hope for. And, you know, perhaps most importantly, if McDowell is to be believed, they are the ones themselves responsible for the cryptocurrencies in the first place, right? Uh, <laughs> because this cryptocurrency shit, realistically, again, if you followed along with the conspiracy fucking underground and shit, you'll know that one of the greatest goals has always been to create a fucking one world currency, right? Of which cryptocurrency is obviously a viable contender. It would be uh, an agent, if you will, or a component, a critical one at that, in the agenda of complete global technocratic control, okay? This digital one world currency that can be accessed by anyone at any time as long as they have access to the fucking internet, okay? Again, going back to the Canadian truckers, homeboy, we won't even have something as simple as the freedom to assembly unless it's pre-approved by the masters of mankind, as was the case with the fucking BLM protests, right? Because these motherfuckers will just come in and seize all your assets like they did with the GoFundMe page and their fucking bank accounts. So essentially what's happening then is that what we're going to end up with, according to McDowell, is digital serfdom, where we will risk swapping out, you know, the vibrant human spirit, she calls it. It's our vibrant human spirit. It's beautiful in its passionate creativity and flawed vulnerability. Very poetic of her, okay? But we're going to swap that out. We're going to risk swapping that out for this digital or this sanitized rather digital world that, you know, will be managed as human capital by these callous technocrats for no other reason, dog, than to profit their fucking, just for their profit. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to trade in the vibrancy of the human spirit for its fucking 
this digital, this sanitized digital twin that's going to be used for nothing more than, you know, the billionaires to, to get richer off of. She calls them the social impact investors, bro. Okay. And uh, it's a group, a small collection of people who have a concentrated amount of power and are conscientiously working to impact the everyday world that we're living in. Uh, she tells us that these groups themselves, they're not hard to find, bro. We simply have to follow the money. That's one of my biggest beefs in the, in the with conspiracy theories in general. Motherfuckers are always talking about Illuminati this and reptilian that, but it's like, bro, the majority of the issues that you're fucking talking about are caused by fucking suits up in Wall Street. And these motherfuckers have addresses, yo. Why the fuck are you further complicating shit and muddying the waters when you literally just have to follow the paperwork, Okay. All you got to do is fucking follow the money, right? And these individual people, they'll be revealed to you, right? Now, what McDowell's going to want to tell us is that even though these motherfuckers do have uh, uh, names and addresses like the board of trustees and shit, it's never really the people who are put forward to us in the public space that are making the decision. So that is a little bit of another wrench, okay? Uh, but the work that they do still, it cannot be discount, uh, discounted. The work that the people running shit that they do, it can't be discounted. But realistically, it's never really them that is fucking running shit, right? Like politicians, bro, they're, we, we know they're puppets, right? And as easy as it is to get mad at Biden, you know, for the gas prices, you should know that if you think a president or politician is a puppet, then that means that you don't believe that fucking Biden is truly responsible for the fucking gas prices. I'm not saying that the gas prices aren't high because of the people in office right now. I'm saying that Biden is just a figurehead for that, okay? And that's what fucking McDowell is telling us as well. Like, yeah, you it's easy to find these people, but the ones that are being put forth, they're generally not the ones that are actually fucking calling the shots, right? So for her specifically, she gives the example of fucking William and Flora Hewlett, uh, of the William, William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, right? Of the company Hewlett Packard, more computers. And how they, you know, this relatively anonymous organization has worked to completely, completely transform, apparently, the nonprofit industry to be entirely data-driven in anticipation of these upcoming human capital markets. Now, this part in and of itself was a trip to me, dog, because she maps out how organizations like this one, how they bought out movements, right, predicated on identity politics, right, how they bought out philanthropic news media corporations and, you know, how they bought out online giving programs and used them to coordinate their own agendas. The most obvious example of this, of course, was the recent Black Lives Matter. I keep hampering on it, right? Because it's true, bro. Like, I don't know, man. Me at, at this particular point, I'm at the point where if the mainstream media, if the general narrative is telling you that something is good, I have to give it the fucking sideways skeptical hippo eye, Right? Uh, it's not because I'm anti-black and I hate fucking black people, but it is kind of weird to me that the whole fucking news or uh, organization, the whole mainstream media was pushing the BLM protests. You know what I mean? That, 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 that was a little strange to me. Now, I'm not saying that it was all bad. Of course, you know, like I completely understand the historical context and the importance of, you know, the fucking, uh, uh, uh of a unified movement uh, specifically in, in, in the black community. Like I'm not discounting that. What I am saying is, Yo, just fucking two days ago, dog, they just came on and said how much of that fucking money that was donated was actually used and fucking, you know, dispersed into the communities as opposed to how much of it was, you know, filtered off into different purposes, like into the fucking filtering it into the DNC to help get politicians elected. OK, uh, specifically the politicians who would use their office 
to further legislation that advances this agenda as well as do shit like fucking buy real estate. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking weird, bro. And you know, on top of all of that shit, the real estate one, you know, the people specifically, the people who run in BLM, they bought like multiple multi-million dollar homes up in, uh, in California. You know what I mean? So this whole time we're being told that this, the whole BLM is fucking anti-capitalist in nature and that they're doing it to help the plight of the, uh, of the black American when all the money that was donated was used for none, none of the sort. You know what I mean? Anyways, on top of all that, the shit is mapped out. What she's going to tell us it's mapped out using the data that has been collected for decades in advance. I, you know, actually, before I get into this, uh, there was an important point there that needs to be fucking brought up. I've mentioned it before, but it bears repeating. And that point is just how much of our identity politics is really just fucking it's fucking foot soldiering dog for, for, <laughs> for globalist propaganda. Like there's just no other way to put it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's sad because these issues, there were at one point very, and I still maintain now true, like true fucking, uh, uh, discourse on the issues of, I guess, traditionally fucking oppressed communities in, in, in this country, like the Chicano community, for instance, there's a lot of legitimate beefs, dog. There's a lot of legitimate beefs. But those legitimate beefs have basically been defanged by these fucking, the very shit that she's talking about, okay? And they're using it instead to help further their interests. They've defanged it completely. They've taken away any of the fucking potentially dangerous elements of it. And they've used it to fucking advance their own interests. I can give a fuck less, dog, about some motherfucker, some white guy making tacos. Like, I, I really don't care about that kind of shit. You know what I mean? I can give a motherfuck less about Speedy Gonzalez. I'm more concerned about the stripping of our indigenous fucking... Uh, a status. I'm more concerned about the fucking children being held up in concentration, uh, 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 held up in prisons here. Okay. And makeshift uh, prisons underneath overpasses. That's the kind of shit I'm concerned with. You know what I mean? And uh, what McDowell is telling us basically is that these corporations are aware of this. They're aware of the optics of it and that they still want to fucking, they still want to give the, sh the show that they're concerned with this kind of shit, but they don't want to do any of the actual work. So what they'll do instead is they'll take these struggles and they'll spin it in a way that, you know, makes them look as though they're concerned with it. But realistically, they have, they can give a fuck less, right? Now, this is where I guess is the part that I was going to get into where on top of all of this, right? This shit is mapped out, dog, using the data that's been collected, that's been collected for decades now in advance, right? To include backup plans should the events not unfold in, according to their desires. So she's telling us specifically, these motherfuckers have an agenda, bro, and they're pushing this agenda using all this information that they've been mining from us, okay? And they know where they want to get to, and they know what potentially they have to do if plans A, B, and C even don't go through. They have all sorts of fucking contingencies in place to ensure that they get to where they want to get to, right? And, you know, obviously this sounds mad conspiratorial, but that's really only if you aren't familiar with how accurate these motherfuckers have gotten with their analyses, bro. Again, it's why I want to go into that fucking... Uh, into the, the, the topic of, you know, uh, 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 of marketing and psychology and all that kind of shit, right? Because realistically, bro, just in marketing alone, these fools have profiles on us that have us mapped down to our most fundamental of preferences. And to think that this isn't being extended to larger parts of our lives, that, that's, just, that's just being willfully ignorant, okay? To honestly how powerful our data truly is. And, you know, that's exactly what McDowell is saying. She's only telling us that this shit is only conspiratorial if you don't follow the money, if you don't read their white papers, if you don't check out their grant projects, if you don't fucking see what they're talking about in their board meetings, okay? 
and you see how it's all playing out in real life. If you're not doing any of that, yeah, of course it sounds conspiratorial. But once you start following the paper trail dog, it's like, holy shit, these motherfuckers truly are pushing for this digital serfdom, okay? Where we're going to be turned into data using predictive analytics to set up larger systems where people will be basically allowed to gamble on our lives. Uh, she tells us, McDowell does, that this is the direct result of automation and globalization of labor, as well as of the carceral state, bro. Uh, this is some shit, you know, that I've talked about before, and specifically the carceral archipelago episode of the podcast, you know, where I'm talking about, where I talked about uh, Foucault's analysis on how information was slowly being used to control motherfuckers, right? The most sinister of ways coming from the medical perspective, particularly that of the mental health field. And this is exactly what McDowell is talking about when she's speaking of this apparatus, bro. Like, they're going to control us. And beyond controlling us, they're going to be able to fucking make moves on our own lives and fucking bet on it the same way, you know, derivatives. They, the same way they were betting on the housing market to either collapse or fucking fall through, right? Like, we're just, they're just going to find more and more ways to extract capital from us, dogs. Hence, the human capital, okay? McDowell herself, she's going to call this hypothecation. It's not her own unique term. She uses it from another academic, right? But basically what hypothecation is, it's the drawing out of human capital from bodies while the person who owns the body, like myself, still maintains use of it, okay? We're, we're going to be cash cows, dog. There's literally no difference between us. We may not be fucking physically confined to, you know, uh, a, a, a farm, the way these, you know, uh, the cows are, for instance, but we're every bit, you know, we're every bit the same. Where as opposed to the cow that's getting, you know, fucking milked for actual milk, we're going to be getting milked for profit. We'll have the illusion of freedom because we get to walk around this bitch. But again, that's just, you know, just the same way a fucking free range cow is free. It's free only in, you know, it's an illusion. It's not real freedom, bro. And yeah. I guess I'm near the the, the the 50 minute mark, which is about how long I wanted to keep it. So this is about as good a point as any to go ahead and wrap this bitch up. Okay. It's a good intro, I guess, if you will, to the human capital. Like I said, I'm going to be going through the rest of this shit in the coming weeks and months. Right. But for now, I just I wanted to simply end it with some with some quick parting thoughts of my behalf, Doug. And, you know, the parting thoughts are as I was going through this, one of the main questions I kept considering was whether or not this was a natural process or a fixed one, which this is itself like a larger question in philosophy. And that is, are there, is there an actual teleology or is everything just a fucking, is it all just chaos essentially, right? If you ask the Western Christian people, they're going to say it's a teleology and then it's all unfolding in accordance to God's plan. If you ask the Nahuatl folk, it's not chaos per se. It's just the constant folding and unfolding the, in the flux and un, influx of, of Deo. Okay. And, um, I don't know where I don't know where I stand on this dog. Obviously, I'm more inclined towards the fucking the non-fixed. Uh, I'm more inclined towards the idea that it's all just randomized, right? Uh, because given my Nahuatl inclinations, they compel me to disagree with the idea that there's some fixed beginning point and end point, right? But again, I when I was reading this dog, I couldn't help but wonder how much of what is happening. Again, it's not so much a concerted effort to enslave people so much as the direct result of the technological world that we're living in, right? Now, don't get me twisted, dog. I'm not trying to simp for the reptilians at Illuminati headquarters, okay? Yes, I do believe there is a shadow group of people who are manipulating society in a way that favors them. Unlike the conspiracy theorists, I don't call them fucking the Illuminati. I call them the bourgeoisie, right? 
That's a materialist perspective. Um, they're clearly this bourgeoisie trying to manipulate society in a way that favors them, specifically financially. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I am inclined to believe in the quote unquote spiritual element of it all as well. The spiritual element part is a little bit more complicated because it, it's too, it, it, it's such a vast subject that I can't get into it in just a short amount of time. It's beyond the scope of this episode of what I should say. Because I don't, again, I've mentioned it before, but maybe this is your first time listening to this podcast. It's hard to get into it without uh, uh, asserting some sort of Christian dualism, which I'm not trying to get into. Like, it's not what I mean when I, me personally, I know motherfuckers in the conspiracy field, they will say, yes, it's about the Christian part, right? Their human soul and all that kind of shit. For me, that's not the case so much so when I say about the spiritual element of this, right? So... I guess instead of having to go too deep down that rabbit hole for now, the best way to say that is that the best way for me to say it is that even though these motherfuckers, there's clearly something going on about more than just control because they have all the control. They have all the control. They have all the power. They have all the resources. So there has to be, to me at least, uh, and others who have come to this conclusion, more at stake. And that's where the spiritual element comes into play, right? Where I don't want to muddy the waters is by... Uh, 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 giving the impression that I agree with the Christian uh, uh, notion of it, which is going to have you believe that they're trying to fight for your soul, which I don't believe in. You know what I mean? It's a, a, a monism, dog. Just one, okay? Uh, that that's what I believe in. So that doesn't it doesn't necessarily, you know, that doesn't it's not conducive to the idea of a soul because the idea of a soul implies that there's the existence of something extra, which doesn't exist in monism. It's all sacred in monism, right? Uh, specifically, the sacred energy of Theot. Um, and from this perspective, then it's easy to see how these motherfuckers, dog, even if they are trying to run game, they themselves are beholden to the same exact fucking shit that we are. Okay. They are beholden to the same technological advances, uh, advancements, for instance, as we are. And they are absolutely in no way, shape or form above the laws of the universe, God, whatever the fuck it is that you want to call it and believe it. Right. To be fair, to be fair, again, I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. They may have the occulted knowledge that is necessary to help influence, you know, reality in their favor, no doubt. But at the end of the day, dog, they're still existing up in this bitch alongside the rest of us. You know what I mean? They're not unique. They're not special in any way. They might have us believe otherwise because of their status, but that's fucking, that's, that's an illusion, bro. Authority and status, that's an illusion. All right. I would say, I would even go so far as to say that they're people just like the rest of us, dog. But honestly, I'm not so sure, right? <laughs> uh, maybe they're, I, I, you know, they tell us they're people, dog. But I don't know the way some of these motherfuckers act. They're like, God damn, bro. Are you sure you're a human? Because you have zero fucking compassion at all whatsoever. Anyways, that's why we call them fucking lizard people. One of the reasons why we call them lizard people. <laughs> Anyways, the point that I'm trying to say here is that what I do know is that even if they truly are reptiles, dog they're still beholden to the fundamental laws of the universe as we are. And as such, are on some because of that, we're on somewhat of an even playing field, bro. So when it comes to this technology, I, I can't help but wonder if it's not so much as an inevitable end that they are actively working towards, so much as it is the limiting of possibilities, the shrinking of horizons, if you will, that are available given the conditions of the world that we're living in. So it's very like abstract and vague. So let me break it down a little bit more. The best way, I guess, to contextualize this argument is by understanding the relationship humans and technology have always had, particularly though in the last hundred years, bro. Again, as I mentioned earlier, 
revolutionary technology, initially, it's always seen as something of a redemptive force that's going to serve humanity and potentially even liberate us, okay? But time and again, we see that it's used for the exact opposite. The splitting of the atom, it was dope for like five minutes, bro, before they took that shit and allegedly make fucking, and, and allegedly made atom bombs to kill motherfuckers, right? The same is true for current technology. Airplanes were fucking dope when they first started, but it took 13 years for them to fly, uh, to fly an airplane. Uh, from, uh, in 13 years, they went from flying an airplane for the first time to using an airplane to drop bombs on motherfuckers. You know what I mean? That's the point that I'm trying to get at. And the same is true for this current technology, dog. And it's easy, as easy as it is, I should say, to attribute this to outright conspiracy. I honestly can't help but wonder how much of that is driven by human nature, bro. Uh, you know, this is a this is a philosophy podcast, bro. In philosophy in general, we are concerned with human nature. And one thing that is unquestionably a part of human nature is the fact that we are naturally destructive, homie, for, for whatever reason. We are naturally destructive and we desire power and control. And when you mix all three of these with the power that technology affords the people in the highest positions of power, it's not too difficult to at the very least imagine why why we keep ending up in this position, right? From an angle that doesn't necessarily invoke outright tinfoil hat type shit. Like it doesn't have to be a conspiracy. It's just why attribute to conspiracy what can be fucking, uh, uh, what, what, can, what, what can be explained away by malice type shit. You know what I mean? What can be explained away by human nature. Like, yeah, dog, of course these motherfuckers are trying to seize totalitarian control. It's human nature. And when you couple that with the current technology available, Simple game theory dictates that, again, there's only so many possibilities available to us, you know, of inevitable outcomes. So, you know, calling them out isn't necessarily so much conspiratorial so much as it is basic pattern recognition. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this idea that, oh, I know what happens here. I've seen this before. Whenever you get technology and people in power concentrated in one fucking in, in one position, it generally ends in a fucking very bad way. Okay. <laughs> Now, uh, if what I'm suggesting is true, then the question isn't necessarily so much this whole podcast, dog. It's not necessarily so much uh, a conspiratorial one, so much as it is a philosophical one. Namely, again, an analysis, a philosophical analysis of human nature. Because specifically, dog, it seems that if we want to truly prevent this type of shit from occurring, we need to address what drives and facilitates it in the first place. And that is, of course, human nature. And that human nature shit, dog, that goes on both ends, homie. It's easy to shit, for instance, like on the reptilians over at Illuminati headquarters for wanting complete power and control. But honestly, dog, like we need to consider the role that we play in perpetuating the system as well. And that's where the whole return, that's where the, where the fucking return to this whole Heideggerian shit about the dangers of technology and, you know, the, the the desire to return to a more primitive way of living. That's where it comes from, dog. Right? But that's that's a whole ass other topic for another day, dog. But as an aside, before I do wrap this shit up, I did want to say, like, one seemingly plausible way to escape this would be, you know, to escape the confines of humanity, which would make the AI merger so appealing, the transhumanist agenda, if you will, which, of course, this is all fucking merged into. This is just all one part. It's, they're fucking connected, dog. They're connected in this larger and a grand matrix of fucking uh, 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 of actions. You know what I mean? But again, even the transhumanist agenda, different podcast for a different day. For now, in complete conclusion, the most important takeaway, I guess, is that just how much of these actions, 
you know, they're repeating patterns. Uh, they're repeating patterns that follow that fuck my words are not working anymore. We're definitely nearing the end of the podcast. They are repeating patterns that follow familiar cycles, right? Which for me, this idea fits perfectly again into the Nawa metaphysics because that's what's predicated on dog pattern. It's just, it's all a cycle. You know what I mean? There's three specifically. Uh, Malinali, Olin, and oh, fuck, I can't remember the third one off the top of my head, but I've talked about it before, right? Uh, go peep the previous episodes on Nawa philosophy. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is basically what's happening here, dog. This pattern recognition, you know what I mean? And learning what these patterns are, these repeating patterns, and follow these familiar cycles to try to get an edge on it, right? These motherfuckers might have access to the occulted information that enables them to make grander moves, but we have the ability to recognize these patterns and try to get ahead of the curve, if you will, as well, okay? Um, and that's the whole goal, dog. The goal is to recognize these cycles and learn to use them to our benefit. Now, of course, if this is the case, the motherfuckers who are running shit, they're also aware of the cycles and they're using them to their benefit, which, you know, is obviously going to be counterintuitive to our interest. But that's the point, okay? It's not so much about targeted efforts on larger scales, so much as it is individual efforts that take the power back from them and redistribute it back to us, right? Because as I mentioned in the previous episode, the most precious real estate dog truly is our brains. And if we don't allow these motherfuckers the space they need to operate, it defangs any potential plan, any, any potential plans they may have, right? So the goal then is not so much to try to fucking stop this giant momentous push so much as to try to remove ourselves from the push and, you know, do what you will with your energy from there. I won't fucking try to tell you what to do with your energy, right? I'm just saying, if you don't like where shit is heading, remove yourself from the system and don't give it the power, the only thing that you have, which is your power, right? And uh, yeah, I guess that's about as good a point as any to go ahead and wrap this bitch up. So I hope you all have a great rest of your day, night, morning, evening, whenever the fuck it is that you're hearing this. And I'll see you next time. Peace.